In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, it's Sabbath day in Capernaum, as the text begins, and where would we find Jesus? Well, where we'd find him every Sabbath day, in the synagogue, the gathering place, as the word means, where the people of God come together. Every Sabbath, Jesus would go to the congregation. It's the gathering place uh, to hear the word of God. The Sabbath day was holy. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You shall sanctify the holy day. They all knew it. It meant no work. Uh, Nice meal, maybe. Rest. Lots of the word of God. But no work. It was a day to hear. uh, A day to receive. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's what Sabbath means. It's a day of rest. Rest. Slaves, well, they work seven days. God's free people, they rest on that last day as God rested. Rest doesn't mean, however, sleeping in till the pregame show. Rest does not mean the golf course. Rest does not mean the fishing boat. Rest means worship. Rest means gladly hearing, gladly hearing the word of God, taking moments instead of doing and speaking to hearing and receiving. For the Israelites, rest began perhaps Friday evening with a nice meal, preparing for a day when they would go then and hear and receive. Uh, Nice sleep and then What does God have to give us? Uh, Now, we're not bound by the Sabbath law anymore. You're free people of God. It's all been fulfilled in Christ. Um, But we still gather. We still hear freely, rejoicing in this day that he may give us his word and refresh us and renew us and share his grace with us. It's a free thing for us to be here today. It does, as I said in Bible class, say something, however, that God has to make a law to say, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, stop once in a while, quit doing, receive. Read the book of Hebrews. You'll hear a little more about that rest in Jesus and what that means for you. When we deal with Jesus, it's all about gift and rest and grace. If we're restless, people, uh, I hear constantly the young people say that anxiety is so great in our society, uh, I wonder if we're restless, it's perhaps because we don't rest in God's word enough. Uh, Maybe they're not resting or hearing God and what he has to say to them in love. Again, where two or three are gathered, there in the midst, there is Jesus to give rest, to calm us. And so... Capernaum, Jesus comes to teach the new rabbi on the block, uh, the one we heard about in the Old Testament who would rise up from among the people and speak this word to them. He would teach the Torah, do the prayers. Uh, They would listen to him. Here he is, newly baptized and ordained. He's called a few disciples, and now here he is entering the synagogue. people were all ears. His reputation perhaps on the rise. What was this guy going to have to say? Uh, What he said amazed people, the text says, because it said he taught as someone who had authority. Authority. 
And it says, specifically, not like the scribes. Their teachers would credential themselves with lots of footnotes saying, I studied under this person or this person or this person, kind of like today. Uh, you know, I went to Harvard, which immediately means we're supposed to say, whoa, that's smarter than the rest of us. But he doesn't speak that way. Uh, he doesn't need degrees or papers. He doesn't need anything to prove he's right. He speaks uh, as one who has authority, as if God himself is sitting in their midst and talking, and he his. As it says, you have heard it said, but, Jesus says, I say to you, um, because God is speaking, the kind of teaching the people hadn't heard before. It was new to them, not since Moses, not since the prophets did somebody have the boldness to say, thus says the Lord, and speak uh, with such boldness. He spoke as the Lord himself because that's who he is. To hear Jesus was to hear the mouth of God, to hear a pronouncement. Now, what did he say? Um, well, Mark doesn't tell us, but we can make some assumptions. Uh, just a paragraph earlier, it says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Uh, we can assume that a paragraph later, as he goes into the synagogue, probably saying the same kind of things and pointing to himself as the fulfillment of that, this time of the coming of God to save his people. Uh, in other words, unless you think you're missing something, it's really the same message we hear every, hear every week. Repent and believe the gospel. Uh, cling to Jesus. Now, maybe that's not what you come to hear. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not what you want to hear. Uh, but that's what God wants you to hear. Uh, repentance. Uh, he wants you to receive forgiveness, all in the name of Jesus. Certainly, the devil doesn't want you hearing that. He would love you to hear everything else in the world. There, there's a man in the congregation there at Capernaum with an unclean spirit. Um, I don't know, it seems like they're always popping up in Jesus' life. Were they more active because he was around? It almost seems like it. Or maybe we've just gotten to the point where we say, well, that's just some mental disorder and write it off in our day and age. You can be sure that wherever the doctrine of Christ is being taught, wherever forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed in the name of Jesus, that the devil and his demons are hard at work. Uh, they don't like this message being heard. Uh, there's nothing more despised by the devil than people hearing that message that Jesus died for how many of their sins? all their sins, that eternal life is theirs freely because of him. Uh, he doesn't want you to hear that. Uh, oh, you could take the church. We could teach all kinds of wonderful sermons on social justice and talk about morality uh, till you're blue in the face. And is Satan going to care? Doesn't bug him at all. Go for it. Get yourselves busy. Be active. Run, 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 run yourselves ragged. You don't need rest. But when you preach Christ and him crucified and risen, then the trouble begins. I was listening to one of the teachers, I think I told some of you, at, at a doxology retreat, uh, and he said, I, that's the way I look at my town. He said, I make a map and I say, where would Satan want to attack? And he said, this church that denies um, uh, this message of Jesus? No, he'll let them go. And he went all the way around the town and he said, what about our little congregation? It was our saviors. Uh, and he said, do you think 
do you think that we bug him? And he said, why do you think there's so much trouble amongst us? Satan loves to stir up disorder and chaos and fights to get our attention off of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, Social interaction, that's fine. Uh, The one with the hopping youth group, leave them alone. The one that has that emotional kick, the snare drum going loudly, um, which one bugs him? Those or yours where the law and the gospel is proclaimed? Which one do you think Satan is annoyed by? Uh, Where does he camp out? Man jumps up in the middle of Jesus' sermon and says, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Uh, Isn't it interesting the demons know exactly who he is? And they're willing to proclaim it, speak the truth about Jesus. That's who he is. We know it. He's the one from God who's come to destroy the devil. He's right on every front, isn't he? And he can say it, but it's a crooked truth because what does he really want to do? He wants to get people off of this message that Jesus is proclaiming and on to the idea that he is the Messiah. Let's raise him up as some political or great hero so that they can really follow that idea. The demons are always trumpeting Jesus as the Savior, the Son of God, powerful and strong. We have great expectations. Israel's going to rise in political power. But this idea of Jesus as the Messiah who will be crucified, mm, that one he doesn't like. The demons would love to have you get fixated on the Jesus who has power to cast out demons and do miracles But this idea of the one who humbles himself to the form of a servant and dies on the cross, that's the message that's got to go. The devil loves people being uh, focused on all kinds of spiritualities and missing the message of the cross. Remember Peter? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And uh, Jesus says, that's right. And I'm going to go to the cross and die and rise on the third day. And what does Peter say? Not a chance. I don't want to hear that kind of talk. And Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. That's what Satan wants. Let's let's put Jesus up as a political power, but the crucified Savior? No, Jesus has to rebuke Peter in that moment. I doubt that the devil much cares about Christianity that you see on TV. Uh, All these churches, they may be huge, Um, Joel Osteen's got an awful lot of folks sitting in the chairs of his giant basketball stadium. Uh, But does he talk much about Jesus crucified for the sins of the world? No. Happy, healthy, wealthy, wise. That's the story people want to hear. A God of power who can give to you. What the devil hates and what he tries to mess up is faith that trusts in Jesus solely for everything, for the forgiveness of sins and for everlasting life. Looks to him as the one who conquers in our stead because we are weak. Hanging there on the cross, Jesus uh, looks weak, but there's never a moment where he is not the most son of God than at that moment. There he is, humbling himself, lowering himself, suffering for you, shedding his blood that you might have everlasting life. It's why he came. It's why he sets his face to Jerusalem. 
It's the glory that he will attain. It's how the kingdom of God comes to us by dying and rising. And until that happens, until the world sees Jesus dead and hanging on a cross, it will not understand what it means that Jesus is the Son of God who comes to us. The devil will constantly try to reshape him into something else. With a word, Jesus speaks to this man with a demon uh, and says, be silent, come out of him. Now, I've, I've seen a couple of movies about exorcisms and heard a priest, and it's usually this you know, weeks-long ordeal and all this horrible stuff. Uh, Jesus, what did it take? A couple words? Done. Get out of here. Be quiet. Wow. And the demon obeys. Uh, he must. This is the voice of God who created the world, who sets all things in motion, and when he speaks, it is so. Come out of him. Now, he'll try to create a little bit of disorder in the mix, kick and scream and holler, but it's over. The demon makes a sideshow convulsing, but Jesus is Lord of all, Lord of even these demons, and when he commands, they must obey. That's authority, isn't it? Uh, that's the authority of Jesus. Uh, not some PowerPoint presentation that you can follow on a screen. That's not authority. This is far more powerful. A word that says, do this, and it is so. It's a word that cuts through the darkness of our world and casts out demons and calms storms and cleanses lepers and makes the lame uh, to walk. That's the word of Jesus. It's also the word that you hear. Uh, when you hear on a Sunday morning, uh, in the stead and by the command of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I forgive you. And Jesus speaks it, and therefore it is so. It's the power and authority of the word that says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and gives his Holy Spirit, and you belong to him. That's power that casts out the demons and gives you the spirit of life. Gathered here, you might say, welcome to Capernaum this morning. Jesus stands up to speak to you. A synagogue that's gathered here to hear again that message of Jesus on a Sunday morning, I forgive you. You are mine. Nothing will take me away from you. Spoken in the darkness of our sins and silencing the voices in our heads and the demons that want us to believe that we're not good enough, uh, God says, I have made you holy and pure and righteous. Uh, we need to hear that word. We need to hear it over and over and over and over again. As Satan constantly tries to push that message down, you need to do more, be more. And Jesus says, I've already done it all for you. Cling to me. We need it spoken against our sin, this authoritative word of forgiveness. We need it spoken against the devil. We need it spoken against the world and against our flesh, declaring us righteous and forgiven because of Jesus. The devil will try his best. All week long, he will create unrest in your world. Uh, he, can, he can do some damage. He can cause lots of disorder and chaos. He can destroy marriages. He can make mischief in our churches. Uh, he distracts us. He tries to throw us off the good news of the gospel. He drives us to despair and leads us to doubt. The devil stalks around like a roaring lion, Peter says, seeking people to do what? 
devour, destroy. Uh, That's his goal. He wants to get in between you and Jesus, and Jesus will have nothing of it. He will try to keep you away from his synagogue, his congregation, to not hear this word. We hear, resist him, Peter says, resist him. Uh, Standing firm in the faith, in the doctrine of Christ and who he is and what he has done for you. What does Luther say? He can harm us none. One little word can fell him. Uh, I like one of the commentaries I read on Luther said that the one word that can fell him is the word liar. Satan, you're a liar. You're not forgiven. Look at your life. I'm a baptized child of God. You're a liar. Uh, One word fells him. His word still cleaves the darkness and still calls you into his marvelous light to which we can only say, thanks be to God in Jesus' name. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds safe and secure in Jesus Christ. Amen.